So, well, thank you very much, Todd, uh, from our side for inviting us. So we're excited to shine a bit of a European perspective on the whole lockdown and vaccine mandate, uh, mandate and kind of clarify for US audience what is happening in Europe and why it is happening and probably historical and cultural differences why it's playing out in a rather different way. So first and foremost, uh, myself, I'm Christian Geip. I've uh, lived in the US during my formative years. Once I was an exchange student in Maryland, sort of just between DC and Baltimore for a year when I was 16, 17. So, you know, normal junior year in an American high school, returned to the US roughly 15 years later to do a master degree at Stanford. So I've got sort of an interesting perspective of European and US history and also having these 15 poignant years. So 90, sort of the US as I experienced it, 1995, mm -hmm. 96, was an entirely different US than I experienced it in 2010, 2011 when I was yes. at Stanford. And um, now it's a yet an entirely different kettle of fish. And that being said, that, that'll be my introduction. Oh yeah, so I'm got a legal background by training, but never practiced and went more into the consultancy kind of world. That being said, I hand over to Lucas, who's got a similar CV, and then we'll kick off our um, legal and historical analysis, analysis of what's happening. Exactly. Good morning. Yeah, Christian mentioned this um, very correctly already. We're both um, legally educated people, but we both decided not to do law, basically. Um, I work in finance in Germany nowadays, but I'm currently um, in the U.S. So it's very interesting to see the um, to see the differences between how the U.S. and how Europe handle the whole pandemic situation, but also how the perception is very different. So it's like um, shortly in my background, um, I went to law school in Germany and in Boston and returned to Boston after law school to do an internship here at a law firm and then for the last summers and years basically I've always spent um, a considerable amount of time here in the US and always felt like politically involved and used to do that on a German-American level um, with us like a not really think tank but like as a charitable organization so we always have a focus on like trying to explain American policy to Germans so this is what basically brought me into this whole topic. Right well thank you Lucas and um, that being said so what's happening right now in Europe. So probably, Lucas, your home country, Austria, kicked it off with a, I'm just going to call it more aggressive approach towards uh, vaccine mandates. And you might just um, in, a, in a minute or so tell us what that actually entails. Germany, not to be outdone de facto, has introduced that as well, if not in law, then in fact. So to give you an example of that, my mother last week had to travel from Hamburg to the northern Bavarian city of Würzburg in order to be let onto the high-speed train already on the platform. They asked for vaccine st uh, status and where she was going to go. <laughs> and she kind of pushed back in terms of, well, you know, I mean, I'm just on the platform. So in principle, I'm not used to having tickets checked right here and there or being asked about the purpose of my journey. And yes, so, so anyways, I mean, my mom has gotten vaccinated. So off the train she went. So in the United Kingdom, they, they are still where I live or have been living for the past eight years. They're still debating vaccine passport. Yes or no lockdown. Yes or no. And uh, actually just yesterday, there was a very prominent resignation of 
um, the chief negotiator for Brexit, who kind of saved Brexit from the clutches of defeat that Theresa May had bestowed upon it. So mm -hmm. Lord Frost, Lord Frost uh, really uh, rescued what could be rescued of the Brexit deal. He resigned yesterday and saying, look, this is um, and the, probably that goes off tangent beyond the, the whole vaccine bit. But he says, look, this is not a conservative government. You're pursuing, quote unquote, green policies. You guys are pursuing, thinking out very loudly about vaccine passports. You guys are thinking about another lockdown. This is not the government that I've been sold or that I negotiated Brexit for. So that's what that would be Germany and the UK mm -hmm. for you in terms of what's happening. Lucas, what's happening in Austria? Have I done it justice by talking about aggressive vaccine mandates? Well, yeah, I think aggressive hits the spot right where the thing is. So beginning in early next year, I think either February 1st or March 1st, Austria is going to have a mandatory vaccination policy for everyone who has no reason not to be vaccinated under health reasons, which means unlike Germany, where you you just debate a so-called vaccination um, obligation for certain for certain occupations. In Austria, everyone aged, I think, 14 and up must be vaccinated unless they have like medical medical exclusion from that or they shall be fined. Um, I, I think I think it's a considerable amount. I think it's going to be like roughly 300 to 600 euros or something per per whatever. Like the last time I was reading about it, um, they were unsure whether they can actually fine you once every three months or whether they can just fine you once. Um, but what they're trying to do is they nudge you obviously into the vaccination by making it really hard for you to participate in public life and to buy barring you from buying anything but bare necessities unless you have been vaccinated and now vaccinated three times. So Austria just left its last lockdown. Um, I was just talking to friends who were like, yeah, we're headed out for the mild wine stand because it's open now for the first time in like 20 days. Like the public life in Austria just shut down completely. And the whole situation in Austria has also led to how do you say to a public climate where there's uh, where it's been really heated like you recall the whole january 6th um events in the us where people were like really he heated up and were debating um what's mm -hmm. happening right now and in austria you see you see demonstrations with tens of thousands of people like my hometown of graz has like 280,000 inhabitants and they were like according to police reports and the police tend to report pretty low numbers typically so you can like add 10 to 20 percent to the turnout they're like, yeah, there's been 40,000 people out in the streets. So, I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people who just come into the city to to do to participate in the demonstrations, but still, you can say there's probably like 10 to 15 percent of the city's inhabitants have been out on on their feet um, demonstrating, and that is something very untypical for the Austrian society. Lucas, I have a question: Are the people aware of the negative? effects of the vaccines or are those numbers being covered up well i mean it depends on what you consider the negative effects of the vaccine so um i mean I death and severe illness which is quite high in the mrna vaccines so this is very interesting in austria you do have um media out like like normal media outlets like larger newspapers like the Zeitung, mm -hmm. which is the country's largest newspaper or österreich oe24 is their their online outlet which is like the mm -hmm. biggest free newspaper um they're kind of like flip-flopping sometimes mm -hmm. they they act like um 50 to 60 percent um in the hospital wards have been vaccinated then they're like um 
yeah, there's people who who died from the vaccine. Like I think a kid recently died from getting vaccinated, but then they then they were like, yeah, the kid had pre-existing conditions or something. But typically in Europe, I'd say that um, discussing vaccine, um, how do you say, um, discussing these um, aver- adverse reactions um, is something mm-hmm. that is that is currently not really discussed in the public sphere in like the mm. the normal Overton window. You need to be kind of a, you need to find media outlets that tend to be kind of, I don't want to say pro-conspiracy, but like mm. it's, it's a small step. Like yeah. the, the people who doubt, the people who criticize certain parts of the vaccine sometimes get into a full on criticism of all the measures. And yeah. I think there's kind of like a slippery slope for many people. So yeah, okay. The end result is most so it's still not really being discussed. People are not really aware, and the issue is a little bit uh, tinfoil hat or seen that way. Whereas in the U.S., you had Robert Kennedy, who's full on yesterday saying this is a complete conspiracy between uh, you know Fauci, Gates, China, the CIA, etc., to to restore to destroy democracy. So I you're not disagree with you. I slightly disagree. You were like, yeah. um, people are still like people are still being pushed into the tinfoil hat direction. Mm-hmm. I'd say they're being pushed mm-hmm. into the tinfoil hat direction more and mm-hmm. more now. Okay. We used to have a pretty interesting dis- like I think we used to have a climate where people were discussing the vaccine. Like mm-hmm. Christian will confirm that um, in mm-hmm. early twenty or in like mid twenty twenty one, when the vaccines were not completely ready for rollout yet, or like mm-hmm. when people still had to be prioritized. Um, it was like, yeah, people get vaccinated when they feel like they should do that. Right. Uh, now it's more like people are being pushed into it. It's like, I mean, I kind of understand these people who say that because um, it's being marketed to them as this is the only way of how society can move on from here. Right. Which is like a totally different way from the U.S. Like, this is what I do need to say as a caveat here. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that in Europe you perceive the, the American vaccine approach with um, Fauci as something very, how do you say, like, he, he's more of a vaccine czar, I'd say, and more of the classic word the czar, not the American czar as a yeah. problem solver, but more like you do this or you will do it the other way. And right. you need to say, though, that talking to Americans over the last two days... You will be punished. People are very much into um, in, into their own free decisions still, and that's not the case in Germany, I'd say. Yeah, I mean to hmm. support what Lucas said. Lucas said something very interesting. And full disclosure, I mean, neither Lucas nor I are hardcore anti-vaxxers per se. Mm-hmm. Um, as for me, I mean, in all epistemological humbleness, I I still kind of try to analyze the situation with regards to the uh, RNA mm-hmm. vaccines. So I myself haven't taken it. I'm saying, look, obviously there are the reports of myocarditis, mm-hmm. but some some uh, sources say, look, yeah, that that is the case. But how do they stock up against people who haven't taken the vaccine? Isn't myocarditis even higher? People that have it. So I haven't fully. I haven't fully taken up my mind. I'm taking a mm-hmm. step back and saying this is so untested. And full disclosure, and I should have mentioned that mm-hmm. as well. I used to work for a clinical trials funding project for the European mm-hmm. Commission. And obviously, I knew the old timescales that vaccines worked on, which was mm-hmm. years and years and years mm-hmm. and like big 
uh, trials um, with, you know, phase one, phase four, phase uh, phase three, phase four. I mean, it's stretched for years and I see a lot that obviously being put on a much more accelerated time scale. I see a lot more of the old principle where, yes, trial subjects would get some incentives to, to participate, but not incentives that were so high that they were entirely disregarding the risk. And mm -hmm. this is kind of what I'm seeing right now sort of like with the stick and carrot approach, mm. the stick is so harsh and the carrot <laughs> so sweet that I think people are ultimately disregarding it. Mm -hmm. as, as to the other sort of conspiratorial approach, I don't don't know, as I said, sort of- But that's a discussion we can have another time, I guess. Yeah, that, that's the discussion. The vaccine, because I yeah. think there's a lot of evidence out that leads one to the, to the uh, uh, you know, I'm not anti-vax either, but I'm anti-vaccines that do harm. Yeah. So, um, and and these are we estimate probably four percent are having massive reactions, which is yeah. a big number. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, probably that might lead us over to an interesting question that mm -hmm. I mean, Lucas is leading us, nudging us towards. Why is it that in Europe there is this kind of culture where we kind of seem to be embracing it. And I mean, the whole concept of anti-vaxxer and COVID denier and mask denier uh, or mask opponent. I mean, those are suddenly terms that pop up. Why is it? And probably quick excursion into mm -hmm. history and, and then probably how it translates into modern days. And that for mm -hmm. an American um, audience also to understand how the mask, uh, the, the vaccine mandates, and even homeschooling mm -hmm. are related. And sort of a bit of a bit, homeschooling is not legal in Germany. Mm. So, and, and so, and I'm going to uh, explain in a sec what, how that relates. So, so probably if we look back in history, so I mean, vaccines are much older than we think. I mean, you might still mm -hmm. remember relatives having this. Yeah. Uh, I have one. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, yeah. So, so, so against uh, smallpox. Mm -hmm. Apparently in Bavaria, there was the first compulsory vaccine law going back as far as 1807. Mm -hmm. And then under Bismarck in 1874, there were the so-called Reichsimpfgesetz, meaning the imperial vaccine law. And uh, there were already, and I mean, that is interesting, org there was organized resistance, even under Bismarck in imperial Germany called mm -hmm. the Anti-Vaccination uh, Association, and that published a... Um, a, a publication that was called The Anti-Vaxxer, Der <laughs> Impfgegner. Mm. And then, interesting enough, in the 1930s, there was a big um, mishap, uh, it's probably not doing it justice, a big accident in terms of vaccination. So 72, 77 in 1930, uh, babies died yeah. of vaccination with contaminated vaccines in the northern German town of Lübeck. Then, obviously, um, interesting enough, Nazi Germany is kind of divided on that issue we're talking about the time between mm. 1933 and 1945. There were um, people in the administration like Heinrich Himmler and Rudolf Hess who were actual anti-vaxxers. And, uh, and later from 1942, the German military started, uh, started getting mandatory vaccinations and then it was considered to be Aryan privilege. So, on, And it was only... Uh, mandatory for you know Aryans and the, mm -hmm. uh, the their, their sort of doctrine of that time. Then interesting enough, sort of jumping on to the 1950s with polio, and that's where we see a difference between East Germany and West Germany. So communist mm -hmm. East Germany, 
very aggressively pushed, pushed uh, vaccine mandates against polio, um, whereas West Germany didn't go down the same right. And, uh, and as you may imagine, obviously that was used in quite a propagandistic way in East Germany. Ha ha, see those, uh, those ignorant West Germans, they don't mm -hmm. really quite science to the same degree as our scientific socialist system does. Mm -hmm. And um, then I think even, but even in West Germany, um, there was mandatory vaccination against smallpox. And that ended in mm. 1976 with the WHO uh, declaring it eradicated. And I think as late as 2020, um, there was a, another law rolled out with spiking numbers of measles becoming a problem mm -hmm. again. We, we reintroduced the measles vaccine law in Germany in 2020. Mm -hmm. you know? So um, I think March 2020, that was sort of right before the COVID crisis hit and you know folks don't want to talk about how some of these diseases reappeared in Germany might it have something to do with our border policy since 2015 yeah. when Merkel yeah. opened the border let's bracket that out for today but just sure. as a footnote sure. and then interesting enough the flip-flopping on the political stage and the, the those viewers that are interested in German politics obviously after months of negotiation we don't really have a winner-takes-all system as in, in the United States or the United Kingdom to, to a good degree. <clears throat> we've got these complex European coalitions. Right? Yeah, we've got a coalition, the, what we call the traffic light coalition, which involves the Green Party, the Social Democrat Party, and the German Libertarian Party. And I'm going to do them uh, injustice, calling them that because they're not really libertarians, but they call themselves interesting the German Liberal Party. And the German Liberal Party, as late as <laughs> September, November this year, called a vaccine mandate disproportionate. And now sort of their leader, Christian Lindner, uh, says, well, you know, under the circumstances, it is proportionate. Um, so, and that's where we are. And I mean, Lucas described what's going on in Austria. And how does that whole issue now relate? So, so probably, I hope what a US audience will have understood this has a long tradition of the ruling classes um, rolling out vac vaccinations. And by and large, in Germany, Austria, we have been blessed with mostly very competent uh, administrations. So the degree of public trust used mm -hmm. to be, and to a degree, still is very high. And mm -hmm. so there's been a long tradition. And there's also been a long tradition, well, government knows best, or certain, how would I call it? There's certain concepts of freedom that don't even occur to us to a degree. So I remember reading in a newspaper in elementary school, oh, a person has been arrested for refusing to send his kids to school. And that was something, ooh. And nobody yeah. even saw that as something worth debating. Like, how could yeah. somebody not want to send his kids to school? And and so this is the climate we're talking about. And Lucas, I'm going to hand over to you because you said something very interesting. So <clears throat> this is the society we're coming from. It's much more hierarchical than the US. There's much more trust in the public uh, administration than in the US. And, and then suddenly there is this situation where obviously over the last couple of years, public lies or to themselves or doctrines became increasingly that we saw the man behind the curtains, large part of the public yes. in 2015, when we were told about all these wonderful things, we were gifted people. At the same time, we handed 6 billion euros to the Turkish dictator Erdogan, but please keep most of them behind your border. So that's when people started seeing cracks behind 
That's well, there's there in in my view, there's not much difference. There's it's not a big jump from anti-vaxer or whatever words you use to useless eater. You know, I mean, it's 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 not a big jump. But go ahead. Well, cognitively, it might not. And and so mm -hmm. and then then something really interesting. So the vaccines happen, and at the same time, we're seeing that increasingly with the new Omicron variant, which could be a term made out of transformers, comes which, up. Which nobody and, has died from yet. Yeah, but. and 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 people see, hey, wait, wait a moment. It doesn't seem the vaccines don't really seem to work all that well against that. But nobody died of it. At yeah. the same time, um, but well, even though it doesn't work that great, and you need to be really, really afraid of it, and that's why we're doing another lockdown. So we vaccinated mm -hmm. most of you, but we still need a lockdown. But please have the vaccine, and we're making a vendor. And that's where suddenly Lucas, what Lucas tried to to say. That's when some people are make leapfrogging the state from reasonable skeptic to going hardcore conspiratorial in within two years. And I mean, yeah. there is this German vegan cook, Attila Hilkman, and, 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 and there are truly crazy conspiracies dovetailed on that. So some people that used to be two years, the state knows best, mm -hmm. everybody who goes against that is a nut, making a jump to like super duper conspiracy land in no time, and that's not a healthy development. And I think that's what Lucas tried to say. We've gone from zero to 150 in a second, and folks are way some are way overshooting the mark. Mm -hmm. Lucas, probably tell us about that very colorful crowd that sometimes demonstrates like what kind of unlikely bedfellows does this weird jump? Yeah, this, this is a good point. I think it's like, um. The, the main issue about this whole thing is that people are, how do you say, they're, they're skipping the normal skepticism and so, some of them are really getting fully, like full-blown nut jobs. I do need mm -hmm. to say this. And I, I also need to say, I'm kind of mm -hmm. splitting the whole vaccine topics. Like, I, I do not like how the vaccine is being sold as the only solution to this whole COVID situation. Um, however, I do need to say, um, and this this now comes as some some kind of surprise for some for someone who, given the fact that the travel ban is over by now, only realizing that Americans are way more laid back on the whole thing. So just for just a one minute um, excursion on a different mm -hmm. topic in Germany right now, you need to like if you were to go shopping for anything but groceries anything but the bare necessities like you're not going to a grocery store or pharmacy or whatever mm -hmm. um you need to show your proof of vaccination it needs to be in digital form like you know with your qr code you need to show your government issued id card to to show that this is your vaccination card you're showing here you need to sign in with like contact tracing apps or fill in a document so it's like this is like I've never seen bread lines. I've never seen um, communism in its real form. But now I've seen how it feels mm -hmm. when people need to line up for 20 minutes outside a department store to get like, I don't know, a pair of shoes or something. So we create our own nightmare when it comes to that. But basically, um, I was surprised seeing how how laid back Americans still are, like even in Massachusetts, where I am right now, where I'd say like President Reagan said that the most, the, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. 
And mm -hmm. I, I'd say that um, for most people here in New England, this is like less of a threat, but more of like something that they'd actually be welcoming. Like I think um, you can tell- Go, go to Florida, it's much different. <laughs> yeah, like I know, I know. I, th I think it's very, and like despite despite this positive attitude towards the government, I think people are mm -hmm. like still more focused on their own, how do you say, their own responsibility for the whole thing. While in Germany and in Austria, especially, we're all being kept into this situation where it's like, well, as long as your neighbor's not getting vaccinated, you can't go outside anymore. So um, in Austria, we also had this discussion on whether it's legal at all to also keep people at home who already have been vaccinated three times and still were not able um, to do anything outside because keep in mind the lockdown in austria meant that you were not allowed to go outside except for certain reasons such as um doing sport going to work etc so do people, when, when do people in austria realize that this has nothing to do with health and everything to do with control um i think it splits like 50 50. Uh -huh. the only thing is and this is where i come back to what christian said yeah. before the advocates against the vaccine mandates are the worst advocates you could have it's like mm. um frank frankly spoken it's like um it's like being on trial for something really harmless and adolf eichmann becomes your um becomes your defense yeah. becomes your yeah. defense attorney so the thing in germany is and in austria it's even worse you have this colorful crowd of people who are like standing up against the vaccine mandate. Now things you have people who stand up against it for like health reasons. You have, mm -hmm. the, you have the you have the people who are like um, freedom minded. Like in Germany the um mm -hmm. the Free Democratic Party which is now part of the coalition, there's some people who are actually speaking up against the vaccination mandate for certain jobs, which I think is is fair opposition to this whole thing. But then in Austria for example, you also have a new party there called MFG, which which is mentioned Freiheit Grundrechte, humans, liberty, and fundamental rights. And they're like they're like completely crazy. They're like people who are like, um, COVID doesn't exist at all, but they they manage to they manage to um, to gather around of people who you'd say who do not contribute positively to society in any way. It's like the public broadcaster, our PBS equivalent, which which mm -hmm. had had a lot of criticism for maybe being too much pro-government. They tried to actually make a really well-founded documentation on who these people are, and they were like, "Yeah, just to show that we're not just paid for by the government, um, we." kindly ask you to send a representative um to talk to talk with us and we can like like uncut like we're just going to broadcast it uncut and it became a total disaster um mm -hmm. the thing is that the people who are like organizing against the vaccination mandate are people who you do not want to be associated with in public or in private they're like that kind of neighbor so it damages um, the message is what you're saying exactly they're they're mm -hmm. that kind of or um, who's like knocking on your front porch at three in the morning because he can't find his key because he's drunk. Mm -hmm. So, and in Germany and Austria, now you have this weird mix. You have um, esoterics, like Germany for, Germany and Austria for some reason are like the, the hotbeds of like antro, anthroposophic um, culture and all that. So like there, there's people who are like, um, like, 
there there are people who think that you can just um, inject um, I don't know some some weird solution into your body and it's all gonna gonna work out. That like we're not talking about um, about all the worm stuff, sir. But we're talking about people like putting poison, like literal poison, into their body because they're being told mm -hmm. this may be helpful. Then you have mm -hmm. extreme right wingers like Attila Hildman, um, who Christian mentioned before. He used to he's a migrant. I think he he's originally from Turkey or like from the Mid East. But he did a full on one eighty degree move, and now he's like a right wing extremist who I think is like hiding in Turkey because he he's supposed to be extradited to Germany for incitement to public hatred or something. Um, then you have you have these classic mom moms who are like who have nothing to do who are like oh please think of the children. Um, yeah. Like Germany and Austria have some kinds of differences, like Christian mentioned before, that in Germany it's not allowed not to put your kids in school. And it's like a, a fun thing is, um, for me as an Austrian, I never understand this, but in Germany it is forbidden to even take your kid out of school like some days before vacation. And there's literally the police mm -hmm. are standing at airports and they're like, um, they want to see the ID of the children and they want to see whether they already have school vacation because you're being fined for taking your kid out of school so you can go on vacation with your kids. In Austria, not the case. In Austria, you can basically just, you don't need to put your kid into school. You just need to have the kid um, do certain exams at the end of the school year to show that the kid has um, sufficient proficiency in what it's supposed to actually have learned. But like the, the whole COVID situation led to the fact where people create schools, like private schools in, in certain houses. And then mm -hmm. you read these funny newspaper articles where it's like, um, they they discovered a school, it's like, like in prohibition times, like um, they, mm -hmm. they found a place where people sell alcohol. And now it's like, they found, they found several school books. They found several tables. So there's mm. several people supposed to be instructed in English class or math class together. It's, it's um, like finding a math lab. I mean, this is how yeah, it's like exactly in, it's a, not, in the media. So what you're saying is it's, it's, it's extreme exactly. government interference in private exactly. lives. And the thing is, um, <laughs> So you have, like, politically spoken, you have people from the extreme left who are like, um, yeah, the government is bad because the government um, wants to control us. You have people from the extreme right who are like, the government is bad because the government wants to control us. So I think I think the right-wingers see, um, like, see reptiles and the left-wingers mm -hmm. see communists. So... Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, well, let me, let me ask you this, because um, in the U.S., it's... It's really shifting to where it's no longer Republican versus Democrat. The, the paradigm is completely shifting to those who want to be free and those who are fine with, you know, government control. Do you do you see a leader rising up or a movement rising up in Germany or Austria who could take on like a Robert Kennedy Jr. who is now, you know, really taking on Fauci and is there someone of that kind of caliber that Not could really. stand up and, and and take over take on the government? Not really, and this is for one reason. So, um, Dr. Fauci is a person who's like, um, who's like, people are either pro Fauci or against Fauci. In mm -hmm. Germany, you have uh, Dr. Lothar Wieler, who's like a veterinarian by profession, who's like the chairman of mm -hmm. the uh, Robert Koch Institute. So they're like the he's like the equivalent to Robert Fauci, and he's like. He's not a politician. Like I think mm -hmm. Fauci's main issue is that he's trying to actively influence the mandates. While in Germany, um, despite all the criticism towards Lothar Wieler, I have to say that 
he's pretty much like, yeah, I suggest the government does this and that, but the government hasn't listened to my opinion so often. So maybe they do, or maybe they don't. And I think uh, we just don't have these figures in public life that are that provocative, number one. And number two, we already have parties that are like mm -hmm. against all these things, but these parties just don't manage to, to get the right spin on it. AFD had gotcha. this, like, in the beginning, AFD was like, um, COVID doesn't exist kind of a thing, or like, COVID, COVID's not bad at all. And people started dying mm -hmm. either with COVID or from COVID or whatever. But if AFD never managed to get off this whole um, anti-vaxxer train, and mm -hmm. the FPU in Austria, the Freedom Party, um, for for them, it's been the situation where they they realize that if they're not hardcore anti-vaxxers, there's going to be another party, which is this MFG party that I talked about, and they mm -hmm. want their voters back. So they're full on against the vaccine nowadays, like with mm -hmm. with arguments that are, to be honest, they're just over the top. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's okay to talk about the health issues. And uh, Todd, you mentioned before that up mm -hmm. to 4%, according to certain studies, might have health-related issues uh, due to mRNA vaccines. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. But um, mm -hmm. the Freedom Party and MFG Party, they're like, people are going to die. From, we're all going to die from the vaccine, kind of like this. Right, right. And so you don't have advocates for this whole thing. You don't have advocates for freedom who you can take seriously. You just mm. have a bunch of crazy people. And mm. I think, like, you know, it's kind of like a divided impera, um, split and rule. Um, there's no mm. real opposition because the opposition is split into people who are kind of like, who are kind of like normal, but no one's listening to them. And people who are like absolutely abnormal. So people are listening to them. So the, the fact that people are asking you know, security people are asking for your papers and where you're going. Does does that resonate with people as to, especially with the, the history of Germany and Austria? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I think not that much because people mm -hmm. are like, like for two reasons. Number one, mm -hmm. um, the laws are all limited in time, like they lapse. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the main thing why people are not mm -hmm. that worried because mm -hmm. um after some time it is likely that they will lapse it's like i don't think that the government in germany is out there to go on full-on control because they're just too incompetent like mm -hmm. my main fear of of even further reaching government control and government competences in germany would not just be them wanting bad things for me to happen but just them not being able to even get what they want to happen this is number one and number mm -hmm. two is that um many of the anti-vaxxers have actually like they act like the government is the new nazi party like they mm -hmm. you know the you know the stars of david that jewish people in germany yeah. had to had to wear um after right. 1940 um this is like the the they make their own stars of David where it says not vaccinated and they act mm -hmm. like there's people um, in the media who are like, yeah, we are the new Jewish people. We are being, we're being prosecuted for not being vaccinated. And this, so, like, this crosses such a fine line that you cannot, like you can't be a reasonable person defend these people. And that, that yeah. is the problem. And, like these people think that they're actually helping, but they're not helping at all. They're turning this whole thing into something really bad. Let me ask you real, real quick: um, Do people see with 
the situation in the lockdowns and do they see a coordinated effort across the Western world, like in Australia where they're putting people in camps and, and, um, and, you know, I'll leave it with that. Um, just one thing, Chris, if I, if I may, just to finish that up from my side, um, there's for sure not a coordinated effort here in Europe. Like it's still hard to cross borders um, between individual countries. I think you can't enter France from the UK right now, except for um, necessary travel. You can enter Germany from the UK, but from Monday on, you need to be quarantined for two weeks. Austria is like, we're only letting people in when they have the booster or a PCR test. So mm -hmm. it's like, in Germany, for example, the whole COVID measures are on a state level and the state's sometimes even delegated to the counties. So okay. um, there's not even a coordinated effort within the country. Also, so to probably just say to something, well, I mean, you, you Todd, uh, very pointedly mm -hmm. asked, like, do people make the connection? Like mm -hmm. most, most not but the fringy people that Lucas described, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm saying fringy with a lot of regret because those were yeah, good people. Yeah, I understand. Who, who, because of everything that happened, were warped from this leapfrogging from reasonable skepticism to way the other extreme. Mm -hmm. But with the broader public, there is this kind of bit, and you find that in every topic. You find that with, like, the, the current situation on the border in Poland, where we kind of try to lecture our neighbors mm -hmm. from, you know, through our uh, Ursula von der Leyen, commissioner of the uh, European Commission, or be that with COVID. Now there is this feeling. Yeah, we do see the past, but now we are the good guys. And this is kind of um, this, this total lack of critical thinking and lack of freedom thinking. I mean, I try mm -hmm. to, 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 to drive that home. I mean, when mm -hmm. we founded our little podcast, we wanted to call it Learning Freedom because sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, even such as homeschooling, it doesn't occur to people. So, so there's that. But you said something. We, we have to think of a name of this podcast, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Eurobytes for now. Oh, there we go. Okay, um, perfect. So, um, but so you, you you said something interesting that mm -hmm. the the dividing line goes between the parties, and anecdotally, mm -hmm. I can confirm that. And again, the strange mm -hmm. bedfellows that this crisis makes increasingly. So, if you're in, here in the UK, fortunately, England amongst the one uh, one eyed, it, uh, once the blind, it's still the one eyed. So it's reasonably free, even compared to the smaller nations on the British Isles. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to people in the pubs um, and, and, and eccentric friends, mm -hmm. increasingly what you hear, even the Corbynistas, like Jeremy Corbyn, let's not even mm -hmm. talk about his brother, Piers Corbyn, who's a mm -hmm. fervent anti-lockdown activist. And um, But even the Corbynistas, the, the, the labor's hardcore left, increasingly say this is an overreach by corporatist sort of strange cabal of of, of, yes. of capitalist corporatist elites and you do find the traditional right saying look this is not capitalism by the way guys the, but this is this weird corporatist mission yeah oligarchy of state mm -hmm. interventionism that and I increasingly found that that suddenly these two polar opposites find mm -hmm. some common ground Mm -hmm. and, and and so the, the, certainly in the United Kingdom, there is this debate. It's still pretty underground. You hear it in pubs. You sometimes find a cautious hint at that in the spectator to a lesser degree. Or um, there's a magazine called, very, very lovely, stuffy conservative magazine I subscribe to, the Salisbury Review. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes it's hinted, but it's not fully explored. I don't think we are there in Germany just yet. 
Mm -hmm. um, with the whole debate, I mean, kind of sadly, in terms of public intellectuals, we are light years behind France with its mm -hmm. tradition of intellectuals that really, their overt window as, as, as intellectuals is much, much larger in France, in spite of French France being interventionist and, and dirigist and, and such. They've, mm -hmm. got in, uh, they've got intellectuals that just can't be shut down because they're so re respected. We don't really have that much of the tradition, certainly in the Federal Republic of Germany, of public in intellectuals. Um, so, uh, th but there's something else interesting that mm -hmm. I did observe and that sometimes people do pick up on, but again, it's not written in the newspapers. But I remember two years ago, I had an um, argument with a friend like of the, Scottish Green Party. And uh, she totally said, well, flying's too expensive. And then quite, quite quickly, you get a couple of more pints into people and they're like, flying used to be exclusive. Well, no, funny, yeah. funny that. Now that I have yeah. to fly to Germany, it is, I have to take a test, a very expensive test because the test that's offered for free, even the PCR test doesn't work. So somehow somebody's making a lot of money by channeling me towards that other PCR test. I get yeah. an app, I showed at the airport, and I, I come back. And so, I mean, it's essentially $200 on top of your flight tickets down the drain. And that's a short flight, like a one hour flight from, from Birmingham to Hamburg. And, and sort of you suddenly see, and it's not lost on some people that suddenly some people are still allowed to fly and some people still live the life that used to be the life of the rich and famous. Somehow they yeah. still fly into Glasgow. And I mean, now for me, a bit of a bellwether is The Spectator. The Spectator is a splendid magazine. It's mm -hmm. conservative-leaning, but mm. still kind of mainstreaming. And you wouldn't find something super edgy there. But every now and then, you find a lead article that points mm -hmm. at that hypocrisy. And again, in the United Kingdom, people are cluing into this. In Germany, I'm not sure. Austria, I think, has a bit of more greater plurality of debate, Lucas. Um, do chime in. Um, yes. Um... I think in Austria, the, the I'm always talking about this whole Overton window. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's like the corridor of opinions that's considered acceptable in public. Like when I moved to Germany eight years ago, I realized that public debate in Germany has been cut short, especially um, on the right side. It's like what is deemed really um, not fit for public um, discussion in Germany is still fit for discussion in Austria, which is something I really appreciate. Like Austria is more laid back on these things. And in Austria, I'd say it's also more considered more normal and also more welcome to just have a debate with people of completely different opinions. Like I used to do politics um, in high school already. And there's like you have these um, debate clubs and there's like, of course, you talk to full on communists and you yourself are like Back then, I was an edgy teenager. I was all about objectivism. I read everything by Ayn Rand. So you can sure. imagine these have been really interesting discussions uh, we ha we were having. But in the end, we still we still had a drink together. It's like sure. um, we still accepted each other as human beings. And I I'd say that in Germany, um, like Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, I think kind of lost that bone after World War Two. Absolutely, I think, absolutely. I think you were all taught that this is not working out, which is pretty, which is pretty fun because Austria just has the same history when it comes to that thing. Like Austria has been split into four um, zones of occupation as well, and while Germany, like Western Germany, has been turned into a country in 1949 already, 
in Austria, this took until 1955, like um, the last Soviet so, um, occupation soldier left Austria on October 26th, um, 1955, which is also our uh, national holiday. Like we celebrate that the Russians have finally given up occupying us and that we gained our full on freedom again. And like when you look at Austrian governments in the past, for example, you've like between 2017 and 2019, you remember you had this um, black and blue coalition. So it was like the center right coalition with Sebastian Kurz as the chancellor and Heinz Christian Strache, um, who kind of fell from grace. But he was like the he's like the the right wing runner up. He was like the the, the guy who Jörg Haider never really liked that much because Jörg Haider always considered him not to be an intellectual guy, but still he made it to be the vice chancellor and the the right-wing Freedom Party actually had some some government posts where they made a difference and they curbed illegal immigration, they reduced corporate taxes, they, um, they made it easier for people um, regarding their insurances. Like Austria used to have, I think, 20 different um, state-run insurances for a country of eight and a half million people. So it's like they merged a lot of things. They kind of got rid of administrative issues. Um, in Germany, this would never happen. Germany is a country where there's like um, where the like the pure idea of the AFD being part of any coalition government, be it so small, I think makes people go crazy, yeah. makes people lose their mind. Let, let me ask you this. Um, in the U.S., well, first, we interviewed a Holocaust survivor the other day, and her point was Nazism is not just was is not about germany and austria it's 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 a it's an ideology of control and so in in the us you see this really uh awakening i guess of a, a battle for lack of a better word between good and evil kind of thing and you see a real resurgence in religion on on, on the freedom loving side do you see that in europe at all I'm curious. Absolutely <clears throat> not, I have mm. to say. I mean, so even in the United Kingdom, I love England because, again, compared mm. to Germany and compared to Scotland, where I live for, mm. for quite a while, it's mm. that much, there's that much of a bigger overt window. It's still so much freer in terms of the lockdown. But mm -hmm. what every intelligent person or the one that fancies themselves as such always caveats everything. Oh, you know, I'm not religious, but. Uh -huh. And I mean, even in a Zoom call at a corporate level, it's sort of somebody has a, a Christmas tree and they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not religious. It's, That's it's a badge of honor, if you will. Angels in the tree. Yeah. So, so, I mean, this is, it's, I mean, I find that interesting. The United Kingdom in some ways has been so much more secularized than Germany. I mean, in mm -hmm. Scotland and in, in, in England, I see churches being empty, mm -hmm. either being dilapidated or having restaurants or discotheques being put in. Mm -hmm. I kid you not. And this is something you still don't see in Germany. Um, there is, there, I wouldn't know if it's a trend, but interesting enough in, in so the city of Bremen, um, which is a very leftist kind of small city, um, used to be, an, uh, actually belonged to the American occupation zone after the Brits went out, you guys went in and with it, you got Bremerhaven. But um, the point is in the city of Bremen, there is a pastor who refused to to give uh, who, who agreed to marry a gay couple but mm -hmm. then refused to give them the final formal right and told them so up front he's like look i've got a colleague but you know due to my biblical belief 
um, I, I can't do that. And obviously, it was kind of a bad faith endeavor because they really, really went after him. Yeah. And uh, instead of saying, okay, fine, then we go to your colleague. And that church, however, has a massive following. I mean, again, mm. what, what I said, churches are not quite as deserted in Germany as in the UK, but deserted enough. Mm -hmm. um, but and then mostly empty on Sundays or half empty, whereas that church is thriving and the more conservative churches seem, seem to thrive, but calling it a religious revival for no, the UK and, yeah. and for Germany that, I, I would say, no, I'm not sure, Lucas, mm -hmm. what, what's your take for both Germany and Austria? Did um, we lose probably, Lucas? Probably Lucas. Excuse me, I, uh, excuse me, I was just on the, on the phone for a second. Um, we're sure. still talking with this luggage person. Um, do, do you mind repeating the question, please? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so Todd asked if the, in, in the face of, you know, growing sort of state interventionism or if we want to call it authoritarianism, is, uh, is there a revival of religion on the freedom-loving right or in the freedom-loving side of things. I didn't really. I, I, didn't I said really not so much in the UK, no, not in Germany. No, not not in Germany, not in Austria for sure. Like, mm. um, I mean, Austria is a Catholic country, as y'all know, and mm. I'd say that um, the whole Catholic way of seeing things just it just doesn't offer any new solutions right now. You know, mm. so. In, in my opinion, people here have become so, like religion has become so separate from politics. You mm -hmm. do have certain like developments that lead people into these um, called Freikirchen, like these independent churches. But I just know I know way too little about them. I think um, Fabian actually is a good person to talk to about this because I think he's the most um, like he's most into organized Christianity from all of us, I'd say. Actually, Todd, there is something really interesting. And thank, thank you for teasing out that issue. So the, the one thing, the, the, the problem that all the northern European and actually European churches have, they were de facto state churches in the sense mm -hmm. that in Germany and I think in Austria as well, the state collects taxes for the church as well. So it says, hey, mm -hmm. um, excise, yeah. Yeah, well, during your income tax, we can really? also collect the, the, the a certain amount for the church for a certain surcharge. And that got German churches fabulously wealthy. I mean, after, uh, whether be, be that the mainline Catholics or the mainline Lutheran Protestant church, it also got them quite independent and of their flock, as it were. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, now, particularly yeah. in the Lutheran Protestant Church, which, which I belong to, um, we've got bishops lecturing us on everything and on all kind of woke issues and saying climate change is the mm. evil of our time. And you cannot be in our church and be member of the AFD. So, whereas yeah. in the United States... We have the same system. in the US with the, most of the mainline churches where right. they've become very woke. So, oh. you actually have a... Uh, a resistance against that as well springing and then, up and then obviously you have the church of england which is by design mm -hmm. a state church and the, the head right. of, the, of the church of england is her majesty the queen and the church of england is the workers of them all to the point when they meet yes with leaders of other denominations and oh let's take the crosses off because it might offend people yes um, and and then so the episcopal there, there church is, here is the same yeah yeah and there's there's something interesting the more the, the bigger the churches are, and, the, and particularly the less dependent of their flock they are, the more they, they can pull off stuff yeah. like this. Whereas a church in, uh, say, in in the, the States, say a small Baptist church with a very small flock, not part of a synodal structure, yeah. i.e. no bishop above them. Well, if their flock doesn't like, and I've seen that to, to my uh, 
um, like positive disbelief in, in the tone where it was based in the United States in Burtonsville, when folks didn't agree with one Catholic church or they handled um, the dismissal of an organist the wrong way, their flock boom, went across the street, True. going to a different Catholic church, and, and there was an element of grassroots church democracy. And that's something that's rare, but increasingly within the mainline Protestant church in Germany, there is the pivot to the free churches, as, as, as Lucas Hmm. Um, said so. So that is going on. But I have a question: Are those free churches uh, here? We have them as well, but they tend to be non-dogmatic. They tend to be almost entertainment versus religion. Do, do you oh, see yeah, that in yeah. these? Really? Oh, no. So, in, in certainly in the north of Germany, where we've hmm. got quite a number of them, they tend to be the more traditionalist. And they, um, I mean, all the. I mean, sometimes in my school, obviously, the least cool thing to be in my, my German um, gymnasium, high school, was mm -hmm. being a, a confessing Christian. Mm -hmm. And uh, so essentially, then they laughed because all the free church um, kids would, for example, if they moved together in, uh, in sharing a flat, uh, sharing an apartment mm -hmm. uh, during university, they would put like little biblical verses and, uh, mm -hmm. on their wall and other people would laugh at that. No, no, no. So these free churches um, are actually the ones that take their faith quite mm. serious and are quite conservative, um, I mm. have to say. I mean, pretty much all of them yeah. which are men. I also need to add just one little thing. So for someone like um, I grew up in the Catholic faith, as most Austrian did, like, um, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I'm i not officially a member of the church because my uh, my family mm -hmm. split on that. It's like uh, my father's Lutheran, my mother is a Catholic. Mm -hmm. So they were like, um, it's up for you to decide. But I was brought up basically going, going to church, attending mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. attending religious instruction, school, etc. And having moved to Germany, um, I was kind of shocked about what Christian basically described right now, that you go into a, into a Sunday mass and you're being told, yeah, good Christians don't do this and that, aka they don't vote for this and that party. And it's like... Um, I think the the religious part of church life in Germany has completely disappeared, and especially with the the EKD, EKD, the um, the Lutheran Church in Germany, their like umbrella organization, they literally finance refugee boats in the Mediterranean Sea yeah. from church excise. Like people are, you know, um, your employer needs to deduct your church excise and needs to pay needs to pay that to the government the government then pays it to the churches and the churches then do these refugee boats and now comes the most ridiculous thing about the whole thing the church excise was actually supposed to be um to be ended like um the weimar the weimar constitution provided for it to be um for it to be ended by one final payment and mm -hmm. during the nazi times there has been this final payment um so the churches were paid like if you convert that into today's currencies billions and billions of euros mm -hmm. and after world war ii the churches were like yeah well the nazis did that so that's really valid so they kept the money but they're still they're still charging you church tax hmm. i mean funny enough um Oh, not funny. Uh, interesting enough, you had a fantastic episode a while ago that actually my father, who I did know, knew CD Media, uh, stumbled across and on Bonhoeffer. Yeah, and we're doing a series on that, yes. And essentially, I think you, you posted the question, where are the Bonhoeffers? And I mean, there, there's something really, really interesting. I mean, obviously, um, just for the, to fill in the viewers, Bonhoeffer was a dissident theologian in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, and when during a time, during the Nazi time, the German church split into 
uh, the, the Lutherans did into two parts. The one was the confessing church, so that, that actually stuck with their beliefs. And the other one was actually almost a state church called the German Christians, the Deutsche Christen, mm -hmm. and who even included Adolf Hitler and their prayers and, mm -hmm. and, and, and were very much along the state line. And probably, and again, I mean, kind of like with Lucas, I'm uncomfortable with analogies with the Nazi time, and I'm not mm -hmm. comfortable with, with guys wearing yellow stars because I'm like, for everything that's happening, and much as I criticize it, you are not in the same position. I mean, you've interviewed a Holocaust survivor, so I'm yeah. like, you know, let's 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 let, let, let's not 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 quite go there. But mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of how the churches get in bed with the state, and again, it is this kind of bit that I described before. This, but this time we are the good guys. Yeah. And and again, this epistemological opposite of humbleness, but now we know we are the good guys and therefore we are subsidizing refugee votes. Therefore, we're telling um, uh, parents who, who, who do not vaccinate that they're irresponsible. Mm -hmm. um, so so there, there, there is this bit embedded and the only, the one analogy that I would, would like to draw indeed is the, they are very, I mean, church, always used to be a counter society, but the first Christians were very much counter societal. And I think mm -hmm. Christianity was always very, very successful when it was counter to the mm -hmm. zeitgeist, to mm -hmm. in a German word there. Whereas once it got in bed with the state or the worldly powers that be, something terrible happened. And, and, and probably when I think you have the same problem in the States, this kind of speaks to the um, terrible education that everybody's receiving and their mm -hmm. school saying, look, this is the reason why we should never go there. And by the way, I mean, Lucas, not probably it was different in Austria, but pretty much school history class for me from seventh grade until the 13th grade, we still had 13 grades, until I graduated consisted of, well, National Socialism back to front. The 30 year war didn't even feature. And that mm -hmm. would actually be a lesson in so many ways. It would be a lesson of separation of church and state. It would be a lesson of, hey, you know, there's a reason why we should respect sovereignty. Yeah, sometimes there might be a good case to interfere into another state's affairs. But if we make that the precedent, what's the outcome mm -hmm. of that? And, and so I think we kind of probably, and that's where we, we might have the same situation with the states straight into the territory of who warped our history lessons that we now say, but this time we are the good guys. <laughs> uh, we have the same problem in our education system here. There's a huge... Um... I guess, revolt against this now with the parents and the school boards and the schools telling the parents you have no, you have no, no say in your own child's education. So we're, we're in a big fight in the U S on that right now. But um, guys, it's been about one hour. I, I don't want to go too long because our audience will get bored and leave, but um, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's do this at least monthly. I mean, this is fantastic yeah. to, to compare the societies and, uh, and what's happening. I'm in our audience is very international or at least very aware of want to be aware of what's going on overseas. So thank you for your time. No, absolutely. Thank well, you very much. Pleasure. And I think what would be a really interesting episode, probably the outsider's perspective, how Lucas and I saw the US changing in the weird intermittent periods uh, yes. that we were there. So um, yes. yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Tom. Thank you so much. Next thank time you. with a camera on, my my suitcase just arrived, so that means I can finally <laughs> can finally go go get my hair hair properly straightened up. <laughs> <laughs>
Take care, guys. Cheers.